Hello, everybody. Welcome to the College Troops Chat Show. I'm your host, Jim Maceno. We are your weekly college basketball podcast released every Monday night. You can find all of our episodes on collegehoopschat.com. Plus, you can find all episodes of College Hoops Chat on Spotify and Apple Podcasts. So please follow us there. Thanks so much for tuning in. Folks, in less than five weeks, we'll be looking at our NCAA tournament brackets. How fun is that? Today in the AP poll, they're telling us the four best teams in the nation are UConn, Purdue, Houston, and Marquette. And the bracketmatrix.com site, which is a summary of the results of the top bracketologist in the country, says the four best teams are Purdue, UConn, Houston, and Arizona. By the way, I highly recommend you check out bracketmatrix.com. You really have the work there right in front of you of the best bracketologist in the country who study in great detail what the NCAA tournament selection uses as a criteria to pick teams. And I have found over the years that if you look at what's on bracketmatrix.com, you'll get a really excellent sense of who's going to make the NCAA tournament. Okay, let me start with another crazy week for the Iona Gales. Apparently every week lately has been crazy for the Gales. They shuffled off to Buffalo for two games, Thursday against Niagara and Saturday against Canisius. In typical crazy inconsistent Iona fashion under first-year coach Tobin Anderson and his almost entirely new team, they won the game where it was expected that they might lose and they lost the game where they were expected to win. Yes, it's true that many MAC teams over the years have struggled with this two-game road trip up in Buffalo. It's a long trip and a really cold place. But I only had a great chance to come back with two wins, but blew it. And both games were nutty. Let me explain. Let's start with Niagara on Thursday night. So the final doesn't look too bad. Iona 74, Niagara 71. And we have this theory, right, as fans, that a win is a win. Just be happy when your team gets a win. And I am. I'm glad Iona beat Niagara on Thursday night. But you have to be kidding, Iona, with that performance in the second half. Let me give you some stats, okay? Iona led by 22 in this game with 8 minutes and 12 seconds to go. Iona led by 18 in this game with 5.12 to go in the game. Iona led by 14 with 2 minutes and 26 seconds to go in the game. Iona led by 9 with 1 minute and 18 seconds to go in the game. And then ready for this? Iona led by 1 with 7 seconds to go. But Iona barely won. They avoided the collapse. But it was really ridiculous they put themselves in that position. On last week's show, I went on this long rant about how Iona really needs to learn how to close out games. And then Niagara happens. You just can't blow a 22-point lead, folks. Iona hung in there. They held the lead, but it never should have been that close. There was a friendly debate afterwards on Twitter between Iona fans. Most fans were frustrated with the Niagara meltdown, but we were all happy they won. And you can't deny that Iona played very well in the game for 32 minutes. Just collapsed in the final eight minutes. Look, at this point, the best you can say about Iona is that they are a good MAC team. This is not a team that you can expect to win any games in the NCAA tournament if they even get there. But can they win three games in Atlantic City and win the MAC conference? Yes. Is it likely? Probably not. But certainly, Iona's got to clean up these late game collapses. They seem to take the foot off the gas, they lose focus, they start taking bad shots and fouling too much on defense, stopping the clock, and letting the other teams catch up uh, while the clock is stopped. If they don't fix this issue, there's no way they win three games in Atlantic City. But let me just note that Aiden Trito, a very experienced grad student on the team, 
He's pretty good in late game situation, and he has been hurt. And I really do think if he was on the floor in some of these recent meltdowns, Iona would have been in a better position. All right, now let's go to Canisius, which is even more frustrating than Niagara. A really bad loss is all I can say. Canisius, 73. Iona, 69. So ready for this one? Iona got down 42-23 in the first half. And they were still down by 12 with 7 minutes and 34 seconds to go in the game. But then things changed. Iona rallied. They fought hard. They launched a furious comeback. And then Canisius led 69-65 with 2 minutes and 50 seconds to go. But Iona's comeback did fall short. Uh, they even had got it tied at one point, but they lost. But here's the frustrating part, okay? Three of the six guys in the rotation playing most of the game for Canisius were bench guys. They had so many injuries and so many uh, guys out with sickness that they could barely feel the team. And this is the team that Iona fell behind in the first half, 42-23. to So, I mean, the fact that Iona barely showed up for this game until the middle of the second half should be really frustrating to fans. I mean, this was a really important game. They could have swept the two Buffalo games. And they just blew the Canisius game against a team they should have probably blown out because of their injuries uh, and kids out with illnesses. Let me just, let me just point out that of the guys that played most of the game, one averaged five points a game, one averaged four points a game, and one averaged two points a game. That's how banged up Canisius was, and Iona still couldn't get the win. So to wrap up here, crazy games up in Buffalo. Iona almost blew a 24-point lead on Thursday versus Niagara, but hung on. And then Canisius had a 23-point lead and almost blew it, but they hung on for the win over Iona. All right. Iona is home for two games coming up this weekend. Friday against Manhattan at 7 p.m. Sunday, St. Peter's at 1 p.m. Let's see how they do. All right. Let me turn now to one team that actually brings joy into my life all the time, and that is the South Carolina Gamecocks. Two more wins this week. They beat Mississippi and Vanderbilt. They're now 21-3 and and ranked number nine in the AP poll today. And by the way, the women's team at South Carolina is number one in the nation. So the men are number nine and the women are number one. It's pretty incredible for one university to have two great basketball teams like that at the same time. So it's been an incredible basketball season down in Columbia, South Carolina. And that's the school my son graduated from. By the way, that's why I'm talking about the Gamecocks. In Saturday's exciting win versus Vanderbilt, I got to tell you that they were led by a freshman with 31 points. His name is Colin Murray Boyles, and he was awesome. He started the season slow this year because he had mono in October and November, but he steadily improved once he got back in the lineup. He didn't get back into the lineup to December 1st, uh, and since then, he keeps getting better and better and better. In his last three games, he had 31 points and 7 rebounds, 16 points and 9 rebounds, 16 points and 5 rebounds. Folks, this is a freshman getting these kind of numbers in the SEC. Uh, He's a budding star. Pretty exciting for South Carolina. Next, a very tough game on Wednesday for the Gamecocks against number 13, Auburn, and then LSU on Saturday. All right, let me close with the Tar Heels. It's a team I root for, as you know. Let me just mention that the Tar Heels have been about as inconsistent as Iona over the last two weeks. Uh, They are 19-5, and though, and ranked number seven in the nation in the AP poll, so that's really great. Uh, But they are 2-2 and over the past four games. As you might remember, a week ago, Saturday, they played Duke, and they beat them 93-84, but they lost earlier in the week at Georgia Tech. Everybody said that was a game where they were looking forward to the Duke game and didn't pay attention to Georgia Tech. So you kind of gave them a pass on that. But then after they beat Duke... They had a hangover effect and lost to Clemson, 80-76. to So they, even though they beat Duke, they won one out of three. But I was happy that on Saturday they went down to Miami. They got a nice win, 75-72. 
Ironically, North Carolina won the two harder games and lost the two easier games. I guess it's human nature uh, that they looked ahead to Duke, but I'm just hoping they get back on, on the right track this week with two games coming up at Syracuse on Tuesday night and home against Virginia Tech on Saturday night. Go Tar Heels. How about we go talk to our guests? Okay, folks, it's time to talk to our excellent guests, and we have our number one guest on the show, and that's always Kenny from Rye. Kenny, how are you today? James, how are we doing this evening? Thank you so much. As you all know, Kenny and I went to school together from third grade to 12th grade. We've been talking about college basketball back to the days of uh, Bill Walton and Marquette winning the national championship in the 70s. That's how long we've been talking college basketball. And our other guest today is our buddy, Gus Kearns. Gus, thank you so much for coming on the show today. Thanks for the invite, Jim. Totally appreciate it. You can find anything that we're doing over at uh, SCS Podcast across all social media, but I'm just I'm just honored to crash the party here. It sounds like your relationship with Kenny is similar to Mike Randall's uh, relationship in mine, uh, where we go back, way back, and been watching college basketball for years and years. Awesome. And I like listening to you and Mike together. You do really good work. I threw some fun questions at both of you uh, that we can debate today. Uh, Let's do the kind of more localized question first, which deals with the conference that we all kind of live in, which is Big East, the top power conference in the Northeast. Uh, All of us probably have a life of watching Big East games. Kenny from Rye uh, is a Providence Friar, as a matter of fact. So let's start with that one. And here was my question to our distinguished panel. Right now, pretty much the consensus of people who are looking at the NCAA tournament, they say there are three teams in the Big East already in, and that would be UConn, Marquette, and Creighton. And there's two teams out, and that's Georgetown and DePaul. That leaves six teams in the Big East battling it out over the final month of the season uh, to make the NCAA tournament. All right? They are Butler, Seton Hall, St. John's, Providence, Villanova, Xavier. So I'm asking our distinguished panel today, of those six teams battling it out, how many will join the big three of the Big East, UConn, Marquette, and Creighton, and make it to the big dance? How many of those six teams are going to be playing in an opening weekend of the NCAA tournament? And we're going to start with Kenny from Rye. It's interesting uh, because we spoke about this a little bit before and looking at the rankings of the ESPN Power Index and then the net, the teams that have the weakest record of the six right now have the best rankings overall on an average of those uh, two indexes. So it's, it's going to be a tough call here. I like to use the term, and I'm stealing it from one of our guests there, you're running out of time here in the sense that I think there's only at max seven games left for all of these teams. And that is going to be difficult because I still think in this in environment, you're going to need 20 wins to get in. And I think that's going to be tough for a lot of these teams because it looks like just they're going to have an up and down next seven games. So I'm, I'm going to pick just out of the two. I'm probably going to eliminate Seton Hall, just seem to be in the most trouble, although they are 15 and nine. Uh, Nova on the other side, though, is one where they have the best rankings. And we discussed why and still can't figure that out. It's 13 and 11. So if you're looking at a seven game schedule, are they going to go seven and zero or six and one? I'm not really sure. So that's going to make it difficult. So I'm going to look at this all and I'm going to have to go. I'm going to go a little homer here. I think Providence is going to get on a run. I think the schedule is okay for them. Uh, So they're 15 and nine. So can they go four and three or 
five and two, possibly. Uh, St. John's is a possibility on the outside. And then I would probably look at, even though their ranking isn't that great, Butler. Butler's been on a little bit of a roll here and there over the last couple of weeks, and they've got 16 wins. So I'm going to keep that number in mind of 20. So I'm going to go Providence, Butler, and outside with St. John's. You're going to say six teams are making the NCAA tournament from the Big East Conference. I'm saying I, I believe they'll take five, six as a possibility. Okay. So you got five in with the possibility of who's the sixth team? St. John's. Okay. Gotcha. Interesting analysis. Gus, what do you have for us? I'm with Kenny. I think you have to pay attention to the records, but I think one of the records that you have to pay attention to along with wins total, that 20 win total always garners attention around Selection Sunday. But I think, you know, like we were talking about pre-recording, the quad one and quad two wins and the combination of those quality wins, I think are really going to hold a lot of weight this season in particular. Everybody has warts. If we go through everybody's resume, even the two seeds this year are going to have quad three losses. So I think as many quality wins as you can pile up, that's going to shine a little bit more. And for that reason, I'm going to keep Seton Hall in. Their wins are extremely impressive. I know they're all at home, but you have to win those home games. And the Big East provides that opportunity to get big wins against UConn, against Marquette, against Creighton. Like those teams are going to be in the top four seeds. I would also include St. John's. And I think St. John's has been knocking on the door for a little while here. And I think they're going to bust through with one of these signature wins. I also really like Butler. I'm with Kenny. Butler has really put together a nice resume. They have seven quad one and two wins. So I think they're in the conversation as well. And I don't think we can sleep on, you know, we were talking a little Xavier earlier. If one of those guards goes bananas in the Big East tournament, maybe they sneak in with 18 wins or 17 wins with a couple signature wins that are allowed and afforded inside the Big East tournament. So I'll go Seton Hall, St. John's, Butler, and then maybe Xavier if they can kind of get rolling with their guard play. Very interesting analysis, Gus. Very interesting. Although Gus is a homer. He's a Jersey guy. That's why he went with Seton Hall. Absolutely. There we go. He's a Jersey guy. All right. Let me give you my thoughts on this. So the team that I'm going to put straight in is Butler. I think that Butler is looking at 20 plus wins. They're one of the hotter teams in. They only have five quad one and two wins. But I think they'll get a few more. They only have one loss that's a quad three or four. But I think Butler's heading for about 21 wins. 21 wins in this year's Big East is going to get you in the NCAA tournament. So I'm going to put Butler in. The second team I'm going to put in is St. John's. And the reason is, I told you guys in the pre-record session, that they have the DG factor, okay? St. John's has three games left with Georgetown in DePaul, which I believe they will win. Now, look, anything can happen in college basketball. It's anarchy. But I think St. John's, with Rick Pitino kind of cracking the whip, will find a way to win those three. That gets them to 17. And I get they get a few other good wins along the way, which will end up being quad one and two wins. St. John's has the most quad one and two wins of these six teams we're evaluating right now. So based on that, based on the fact they got three wins sitting there with Georgetown and DePaul, plus I think they'll get a few more wins. I'll probably win even win a game in, in the Big East tournament. I've got St. John's getting their 20 win and getting into the tournament. That's my number two. My number three team to go in is going to be a choice between Providence and Seton Hall. All right, so I'm going to say six teams in the Big East get in, and I have to pick 
between Providence and Seton Hall. And boy, is that hard, right? Because Providence is 15 and nine. They're six and seven in the Big East. Seton Hall is 15 and nine, but eight and five in the Big East, which is interesting. Uh, They've got five quad one and two wins. Providence has six, and they both only lost one game uh, in quad three and four. So they're so close, the two of them, Seton Hall and Providence. Interesting, though, is that Providence is 57 in the net and Seton Hall 76 in the net. Now, I don't have the backup to fully explain why that is, because I just explained to you how even the teams are. So why, uh, why is Seton Hall so far back in the net? I don't know that, but I think that's going to be the thing that holds them back because that net isn't good right now. So if Providence and Seton Hall both play about the same the rest of the way, I think Providence gets in over Seton Hall because they're 57 in the net. So I'm going to go Butler, St. John's, and Providence. The wild card, I think, and I have to say this even though I don't want to, is Villanova because they're 42 in the net. I don't fully understand why with three quad three and four losses, Villanova's higher than the other five teams we're talking about. We have to have a better expert on the net on this call to work it through. So you know what that tells me? If Villanova gets hot, they're in, right? I think we can all agree that Villanova gets on the roll in these final seven games. It goes like five and two. They're in the tournament because they're already 42 in the net. Right. And I think one of the things that that net score might value is that win over UNC. Sure. U- Huge UNC win. is going to be that one seed, that two seed line. And maybe that's what's weighing it so heavily is that win over UNC. Great analysis. I like it. We'll see what happens. And we got another month to play, so it should be fun. All right, let's go to our second question on the show today. Right now, the bracketologists seem to have a consensus on the top four seeds in the NCAA tournament. And that would be Purdue, UConn, Houston, and Arizona. And when you look at the analytics and and the numbers, the metrics, it does seem about right based on what this committee is looking for. Um, So here's my first question. How many of those four teams will actually make the final four? So we'll do that first. How many of those four teams, let's say them again, Purdue, UConn, Houston, Arizona, will be in the final four. We'll start with Kenny from Rye. I'm looking at uh, UConn just on the fact that they just seem to be overwhelmingly strong, in particular because of all the injuries they've had, and they've still played through that and played better and better each every week. So that's interesting there. Second team is, I think, Arizona on the back of someone who's gotten hot and playing better at the end of the year. So I look at that as kind of a momentum play there. Uh, So I look at those two as the most likely to make the final four. Nice answer, Kenny from Rye. I like it. All right. Gus, Kearns, what do you there's no shot that all four of these teams make it to the final four that's only happened one time in the tournament's history so i think we can throw that part of the question out the window but who are we going to really isolate here and i'm with kenny here it's yukon yukon has all the pieces that you need to make a deep run in the final four they have the veteran point guard they have the big man they have the really talented wing players and it's sneaky but castle and Spencer are both going to get like some NBA looks. Obviously, Castle higher in the lottery. Spencer maybe down in the second round as a free agent. He can shoot it and he can defend it. And they have that developing piece. Any team that's going to make a deep run needs that developing piece. And Samuel is is developing before our eyes with those minutes and that opportunity that he had when Klingon was out. So I, I really like UConn. I, I like their side pieces. Yes, Edie is like dominating the game like no player that we've seen since maybe Tyler Hansborough. But I really like the total package here with UConn. And if I was going to lean one team, they would be them. So you have UConn in the Final Four. Interesting. So I'm going to agree with you, Gus, on UConn and Kenny, too. I love UConn. I mean, I watch them all the time. I almost never miss a UConn game. And that team is so darn impressive. They are so well coached. I mean, I don't want to get overly dramatic here, but at this moment right now in the sport that we all love and follow, 
Danny Hurley may be the best coach in the sport right now. He's that good. He's coming off the national championship. He put this team together after losing three of the best players on the team. And here they are right back there again. Yeah. Uh, we're talking about them as a possible Final Four team. And you got a guy like Tristan Newton who's already been there was a key player last year. Klingon was part of the rotation last year. Castle just keeps getting better and better. Cam Spencer mm -hmm. was a great addition to that team. And and the one guy nobody talks about, but he was excellent last year and he's excellent again, is Alex Caravan. He's a terrific college basketball player. They have so much, including the bench pieces that Gus talked about. I certainly have UConn in my Final Four. Now, let me jinx them. I'm convinced going to the Final Four. So there you go. Now, the other team that I feel so strongly about, I've watched them so many times this year. I've, I've probably watched most of their games, and that is Purdue. And I believe that team is on a mission. I wondered if they would be on the mission back in November, and they're on a mission. That team, they play terrific. I mean, I have just saw them play Indiana on Saturday night, but they just took them apart in a rivalry game. Just from the beginning of the game, it wasn't even close. I mean, they're terrific. And they have Zach Eady, but they also have Braden Smith. Good God, folks. That guy does not get enough credit. If you watch Purdue play, Braden Smith is one of the best guards in America. And hardly anyone says that. He's a terrific basketball player. He's there, too. And then the other thing you have with Purdue is they can roll out 10 really good college basketball players. They have so much depth. So I'm a stubborn man. And for the last two years, I had Purdue in the Final Four in my bracket. And they're going right back in my Final Four this year. Purdue, UConn in the Final Four. And I'm not backing down. I'm convinced that's happening. Lastly, on this question, let's just stay on this. We'll do this quickly for the three of us. If you had to pick one of these four top seeds at the moment, Purdue, UConn, Houston, Arizona, who would you pick to win the national championship if you're going to pick one of those four? We'll go with Gus first this time. If I was picking one of these four, I would still lean UConn for the, the, the reasons that we stated earlier. They have so many integral pieces. One of the other things that you need to win a national title is you need NBA players on your roster. And Castle's going to be an NBA player. He's going to play the wing in the NBA for 10 years. Spencer's going to get a cup of coffee uh, because he can shoot the ball and defend. Uh, Caravan would be one of those stretch four players and find a living maybe similar to Saric uh, that we see for the 76ers. And we know that you know Klingon is going to find space in the NBA just because of his size and skill level. And Tristan Newton is going to get a cup of coffee as well. So they arguably have like four, five, if you want to include some bench players, six players that are going to get a taste of NBA play. And when you have that situation, I don't know if Arizona can necessarily say that. I don't know if Purdue can necessarily say that. And I think that UConn is one of the teams in the nation that can boast like, hey, we have a number of NBA potential players on our roster. And uh, yeah, talent wins games and they have enough talent again to do it again. Excellent analysis, Gus. Kenny from Rye. I'm not sure about the NBA situation anymore due to the fact is what we saw last year seemed to be experience in the right blend of players, particularly because of the portal situation uh, and it's putting people together uh, the right way. We saw UNC that looked like it had more than any anybody in talent and then the blend didn't work and then this year they switched it up and they looked better than ever. So I, I think it's a matter of, of a new world of the right freshmen developing at the right time and then the right blend of players the nba okay that's fine um but we didn't see that as much last year in the final four as we have historically in the past and again that's the new era with regards to uh looking at it overall i think purdue just on paper even though i didn't put them in the final four has to look like a, there's a chance because of the fact is who they are and they and playing together in the right combination of people and the right pieces that have been put in place the only thing i go with them is the pressure pressure not 
to lose. It's a horrible way to play, not to lose. That's a bad way. Uh, so that makes it difficult. Uh, overall, I still like teams that fight through adversity. I've seen it with Providence College. No, uh, no homer there. But from a standpoint of what UConn has done with constantly people going down, all these people go down one game after another, after another, come back, go down. And they fought through that and they don't have to seem to have any problem at all. So I think the confidence has to be sky high for them. So I, I see them kind of walking into the final four and I see them as the best chance to repeat. All right. Very interesting answer. All right, so I think you know who I'm putting as a national champion. And that would be the Purdue Boilermakers. I've told you I love the team. And I'll tell you, I'm going to disagree a little with my buddy Gus here. I think the difference between Purdue and everyone else in the nation is they have 10 very good to great college basketball players on one team with a lot of experience. That's something Kenny from Rye touched on. And they really play like a team. They are bought in. They are committed. And they want to win this bad. And they want to be the next Virginia. Virginia got embarrassed in the opening round of the tournament. He came back to win the national championship. I think Purdue is on a mission. They believe that. And I talked about Brayden Smith, who's one of the best guards in America. We know Zach Eadie's probably the player of the year. But there's guys like Lance Jones. Everybody said they need a, a quicker guard, uh, a guard that can get the ball down the floor, a guy that can shoot the ball, <clears throat> play quick. Well, they got him. They, they brought they brought the exact guy in they needed in Lance Jones. Then you got a guy like Trey Kaufman Wren. He's six foot nine. He's like a glue guy. Hits the boards. He's like starting on most teams in America. You know, uh, he's a terrific player. Mason Gillis, another glue guy off the bench. They have so many weapons. They have ten of them. They have ten guys in any combination that can win games in NCAA tournament and the best player in the country. I got Purdue as your next national champions. How about that? I think Kenny hit on something. I think that you also have to play with a little joy. I don't know if necessarily playing with urgency or uncertainty is the way to win a national championship. Playing with joy just might be, and we saw that with UConn last year. Very good. Very good point, Gus. All right. I sent you both the top 16 seeds today on the bracketmatrix.com site. That's uh, like you know 30 of the top bracketologists. They do a summary of all of their picks, and they rank the top seeds. So my question is, of these 16 seeds currently on bracketmatrix.com, which of those teams is going to flame out? Who's going to be the Virginia losing in the first round or the Purdue losing in the first round? Which one of these 16 teams that right now must be so happy that they're in the top 16 in bracket matrix. Which team's going to lose in the first weekend of the NCAA tournament? We'll start with Gus. Well, I did a little homework here for you, Jim and Kenny, and I, I took a look at one team on each seed line, and I'll just row through them really quickly. You guys can agree or disagree. On the four line, I feel like Illinois is really susceptible to losing at any time just because they don't have a priority ball handler. And if you get into a pressing situation with them where they're going to force turnovers, that might really be their bugaboo. Alabama, they've had 10 talent and they play the right way the last couple of years but I don't know if they have that top level top tier Brandon Miller talent this particular year so they might get out talented at the three line Kansas all it takes is a little foul trouble on the two line if they run into some foul trouble their bench is depleted it's the complete opposite end of the spectrum Jim that you mentioned with Purdue they do not have that depth and they do not have those numbers of, of valued college basketball players and I think Arizona has shown us that they can lose to one player when if you take a look
look at that FAU game. Janelle Davis went bananas and beat them in overtime pretty much single-handedly. So Arizona, I think, is susceptible to one player kind of going off. So that would be one team on each seed line that I think would be susceptible to maybe that first-round upset. Wow, Gus. Not only did you give us an answer, but you, you went above and beyond and gave us one team that could get tripped up on each of the first groups of seeds. One, two, three, four. That's very impressive, Gus. Uh, you get an A-plus for that. All right. All right, Kenny from Rye, tell me a team in that 16. And by the way, let's do this for Kenny from Rye goes. Let's just, let's assume that the first seed and the second seed probably won't be the one to lose, although it's possible. But let's assume that'll be more likely a third or a fourth seed loses. I'll just throw that out there. So I'll read those out. Baylor, Iowa State, Alabama, Auburn, Wisconsin, Duke, Illinois, and Dayton. Kenny from Rye, would you like to pick your team most likely to lose in the first round of the NCAA tournament? Well, there's still a little of thunder there. I, I think I've watched Illinois a few times, uh, particularly when they played uh, Northwestern, and they do seem a little bit helter-skelter. They One minute look like an NBA team, and then the next minute I can't figure out what they're doing. Uh, the other thing is Wisconsin has lost games they shouldn't have lost, and I always think the Big Ten's going to come out and you know pull a clinker at some point in time. That seems to be a possibility for them. And the other one I'm going to pick 16 there is Dayton. And the reason why I'm pick of them is, again, the A-10 is so weak. It's just incredible looking at their rankings outside of Dayton. So they haven't faced anybody that is in that top 16 or I mean, even in the top 50 or 60 in the last handful of weeks. So that's going to be a big step for them. And I don't think they're going to get an easy game getting into the dance. So Kenny from Rye has a lot of concerns about uh, those three of those four teams on the fourth seed. Very interesting. And I get that. And I feel that too. I'm a little disappointed in both of my guests. Neither one of you picked the Duke Blue Devils. As a North Carolina Toriel fan, that's the team I'll be yelling and screaming about, hoping they get knocked off in the first round. Neither one of you picked them. And unfortunately, I'm not going to pick them either because at the end of the day, despite the fact Duke has underperformed this year, in my estimation, they still had eight five-star players in their rotation. And they had a chance to get better and better throughout the year, fix some problems along the way. Duke will be a very tough team in the NCAA tournament, unfortunately. Although I do want to point out when they played the Toriels, Last week, the Toriles beat them. Just want to point that out. All right. My guess is so boring because I have Illinois also. You know, Illinois definitely is a team that's up and down. They don't have the point card. They don't have the guard play. They've kind of had their roster shook up with the suspension of the key player. Illinois was mine as well. I understand Kenny's with Dayton, and um, I understand that. The other team I would put out there as a third seed, Alabama either wins by 20 or plays close games. You know, they're kind of a wild team. And you never know. Yeah, they're inconsistent, Gus. So I put Alabama as a possible team to get upset, but I'm going to pick Illinois. All right. Next question. Gus, you have covered Dayton and Deron Holmes on your Twitter page. Tell us about Dayton and tell us about how good he is. Deron Holmes. Uh, Deron Holmes is a first team All-America player currently right now. If the season ended today. Stop period, end of sentence. If you go take a look at Ken Palm's player of the year rankings, of course, Zach Eady is in the lead and pole position there. But surprisingly, number two is Deron Holmes. If you go look at any metric, he's in the top 10 college basketball players this season. He's putting up bananas numbers. The key for him and the key for Dayton is him expanding his offense out to the three-point line this season, where he's shooting almost 40%. That has really changed the dynamic of how teams have to guard him and has really opened up the lane and has provided space for Dayton to shoot threes 
They are one of the top five three-point shooting teams in the nation. I think that Dayton has an interesting path here. I know you guys mentioned that the A-10 might be down, but I'm going to concentrate on Dayton specifically. With a three-point shooting, with their pace of play, and with their defense change-ups, they'll go man, they'll go 1-3-1. They have some diversity, and they have one of the best players in the nation. It's not crazy to talk about Dayton getting to a Sweet 16, getting to an Elite 8, maybe even getting to a Final Four because of those the, the three things of three-point shooting, elite. Deron Holmes, elite. Defense, pace of play is very Virginia-esque, very Houston-esque. And if we just look at their losses, their three losses are by six points or less, and they lost to Houston, who's going to be a number one seed on a neutral. Everything else, they've taken care of business. I really like this Dayton team, and I really like Deron Holmes. He's a first-team All-America player this year. So I also like the Dayton guards. You know, uh, you mentioned the defense. Uh, they play a lot of ball pressure. Uh, they mm-hmm. can handle the ball. They can play fast. So I like Dayton. I think Dayton wins a couple of games in the NCAA tournament. Uh, I'm there, too. Any thoughts, Kenny? I'm just going back on what has been the A-10's problem for the last two years. They don't seem to be able to figure out the transfer portal slash recruit freshmen. Uh, looking at their rankings outside of Dayton, it's atrocious. Uh, we follow it, you and I do, because of the Fordham situation, where the Fordham got on a run last year and did very, very well with a team that overachieved. But they were da- the A-10 was down again last year. So I still think tournaments, they're not going to give them an easy game. And you've got basically some very, very weak opponents that they have played over the last few weeks. So it's going to be a huge step up. So again, I don't disagree. He's got some great players and he could win a game or two here, but I still think they're in trouble just because of their their opponents the last, I'd say call it the last couple of months. Okay, we'll see. Good points, Kenny from Ryan. All right, last question of the panel. Here we go. We talked about these uh, 16 seeds that are in the top four right now on, on bracketmatrix.com. Give me a team outside that right now. Some team like this year, San Diego State or FAU, Florida Atlantic, that makes a run and shocks everybody in the tournament. Or even doesn't even, could even be a power conference team that's not currently in the top 16. Give me a team that's currently not listed there, but is going to get in that tournament, and they're going to make a run maybe all the way to, like, the lead eight. Give me a team on the run. Let's start with Kenny from Rye. I'm going to give you a, a couple of quick ones here just because it was a great question you asked us to look up. And I think from a perspective of just pure talent outside the top 16, if Kentucky gets hot, it just makes sense for them to make a run. That's why. No more than the fact that they're in the SEC. they got a ton of talent, and Calipari's a good coach. Outside of that, I went on um, a little bit of a jaunt, I guess you'd say, looking at different teams. And I think one of the ones that's interesting, and I like the coach, not not only because of the name, because he's classic with the name, but he's done such a good job, and it's a real blue-collar resume to get up there, is Danny Sprinkle from Utah State. You know, I looked them up. They're in the net 28 now. Um, I think they've done a good job, and I think he's an excellent coach and up-and-coming, and if he lasts, lasts there more than a year or two, it would be a surprise. The last one, the total reach I'll give, is somebody you and I talked about, James. Uh, Grand Canyon and Bryce Drew. and At the net at 44, they're on a real run, and, you know, why not, as they say, from a perspective, they got nothing to lose. I love it. Those are great picks, Kenny from Rye. Wow. Some yeah. great research you did there. All right, Gus, give me a team that's going to make a run. I don't know if I went down the same wormhole that Kenny went into, uh, but I really love the Grand Canyon pick. Uh, they have one of the best players in the nation in Foster. He's playing out of his mind right now. And they have uh, their point guard back, so I really like what they're doing. But uh, I'm with you, Kenny. Somebody from the Mountain West is going to get in there. I don't know if it's going to be Utah State or Boise, but somebody's going to make some noise. We saw uh, San Diego State go all the way to the final game last season, so why not another run for a Mountain West team? But specifically, and Jim, you mentioned this uh, on the intro, who could be the FAU or the San Diego State? I think the FAU 
you could be Indiana State. They have uh, Robbie Avila, who's one of the funnest basketball players in the nation, and they surround him with a bunch of shooters and ball handlers. It's a really fun offense to watch. So offensively, I think they'll be able to match with pretty much anybody they find in the bracket. And then if we go defensively, like San Diego State-ish, St. Mary's. St. Mary's kind of came out and you know showed a couple clunkers at the beginning of the season and really fell off the radar. But right now they're operating as a top 10 defense inside the sport. Uh, we would love to see Aiden Mahaney, the sophomore, kind of do a little bit more shot making and creating. But I think St. Mary's is a team to keep an eye on, especially because they might be flying under the radar just as a conference without Gonzaga in a top 10 position. So that might be another team defensively that could make a deep run. Oh, that is a great answer, Gus. Wow, the two of you really did your homework. Those are fantastic answers. All right, so my first pick on someone making a run is really boring, but I'm going to stick to it because I think the team is solid. They know exactly how to play in the NCAA tournament. They proved it last year. They're still playing very well this year, and that's Florida Atlantic. I think Florida Atlantic can go back to the Final Four. That's a very well-coached team that has all the players back. They know what they're doing. They're going to get in the tournament. They're going to be very mature about uh, their run in the tournament, so I like them. If I was going to go long shot, let me have some fun. Because I love this team. Every time I watch them play, they're fun to watch. And one of my favorite players since I started this, this show was Nelly Jr. Joseph of Iona. He was a really good center. Uh, he's on New Mexico now, and I like that New Mexico team. They're well coached by Richard Patino. I think New Mexico is a team that can get on a run and win a lot of games in the NCAA tournament. And I would be so happy to watch Nelly Jr. Joseph uh, move along in NCAA tournament because he's an absolutely great kid. A third team, I think, will make a run. I just don't know how far. But I think they're going to win some games because every time I watch them late at night, they're very good. And that's Boise State. Boise State's a really good college basketball team. We're talking Mountain West. And that's a team I could see getting on a run as well. So I think we all have some really good picks. Uh, somebody should watch our show, uh, this show right now right before the tournament because we gave them some great advice. No doubt, Jim. And I love that we all were in on the Mountain West. I think that, you know, they could get five, maybe six teams in. And one of those teams is going to get put something together and go on a run. Jim, you mentioned Boise State. Tyson Degenhart, the forward there, he's done nothing but win games and make the he's NCAA terrific. tournament. Yeah. So yep. he's just going to continue to do the same. Will he take the next step and, and, and maybe help his team get a couple of wins in March as opposed to just getting there and playing really well? That's what I want to pay attention to for Boise state but before we say goodbye one question for gus because gus knows an awful lot about a conference that's actually playing some of its best basketball maybe in decades uh maybe since the 70s and that's the ivy league i know you follow the ivy league we know how good princeton is they're an excellent yep. team is princeton going to win the ivy again or do you think there's somebody out there that could trip up princeton Tell us about the Ivy, Gus. Well, the Ivy is really interesting because Princeton got some votes. I, I you know, I voted for them for the top 25 uh, in our little poll that we would do together. But last weekend, we had um, Cornell versus Yale, two 6-0 and o teams. The first time the Ivy League had 6-0 and o versus 6-0 and o in the history of the league. And I, I really loved the pieces that Yale has back. They have a whole bunch of 6'4", 6'5", 6'6", players all around the perimeter. And Cornell has been putting together an unbelievable season in season in Ivy. I think any of those three could win a game in March. If we're really like picking, if Princeton wins this thing and they they win the Ivy like March Madness, the, the four uh, team tournament, I think they can do the same thing they did last year and win a game, maybe two. Princeton certainly looks good. Every time I watch them, they're extremely well coached. Yes. Uh, and they've been through the NCAA tournament last year, right? They won what, two games? Yeah, they, they beat Arizona last year. Yeah, so uh, Princeton's a very interesting team, but you're right. I mean, Cornell 
Cal is good. Penn is good. Yale is good. Yep. Ivy's got a lot of really good teams. Any thoughts on that, Kenny? The only thing I'd say is one thing that they obviously have an advantage over versus many of the other schools is the kids stay. So they bring them in and they stay. So they build a cohesive team. So it's a great point in looking at Princeton. I can't say I've watched many of them. I follow Columbia a little bit because it's local. I went to grad school there. And so, you know, they've had some decent wins. But from a standpoint of cohesiveness and getting to know each other and playing as a team, they have that advantage, which is a little bit different than the teams that have to reboot six or seven players every year. So that's by, that, that's why it's interesting. And again, Princeton has played well last year with a lot of the same guys coming back this year. All right. Kenny from Rye, Gus Kearns, you were fabulous. Thank you so much for coming on the show. Uh, let me say goodbye. And uh, we'll be talking to you guys again about college basketball. Bye-bye now. Thanks, James. Cheers. Thanks so much for tuning in to College Hoops Chat. I'm Jim Mastano, the host. We post this podcast every Monday night, and all episodes can be found on collegehoopschat.com or on Spotify and Apple Podcasts. Please join us again next Monday night.